0: 91.3 KBCS, Music and Ideas, listener-supported radio from Bellevue College. KBCS's Kevin Henry interviews Sarah Childs, stepmother to Danika Childs, who at age 17 went missing to sex trafficking. In 2007, my stepdaughter Danica Childs uh, went missing from Federal Way, Washington in just the first, I want to say 48 hours of her disappearance, we learned that she had been involved in sex trafficking in federal way. And we found out that guy that she had been hanging out with who we thought was a boyfriend was actually a pimp. And that his cousin was actually serving time for, you know, organizing and running a prostitution ring we immediately contacted police the night that he had disappeared and they did come out and take a report but they listed her as a runaway they said you know this happens all the time teenagers you know how they are she'll be back we just honored the 13th year of her disappearance last december i had never prior to that you know had any real experience or knowledge about the quote unquote life. It had never crossed my path, you know, directly and didn't realize that the problem was so predominant in federal way, especially at the time. So we took it upon ourselves to kind of do our own investigation because the police were really no help at all. They talked to the boyfriend one time and that was it. It's the type of thing you see in movies or on TV shows or that you hear about that you're just like, wow, that's just crazy. Like, I can't imagine that happening. And then it happened to our family. You know, we've always tried to keep her face out there, keep her story out there. Um, Her mother had gotten involved with um, another woman in Federal Way and they had actually started Federal Way Coalition Against Trafficking. Um, And they did quite a bit of work to try to bring awareness to the cause
1: You mentioned how you felt like the police response was inadequate, to say the least. Do you feel like if it had been a, let's just say, a a person of a different ethnic background and economic status, that the response would have been different?
0: Their response was so minimal. Around the same time, there was a young white girl who had went missing from somewhere south, say Lacey or, you know, somewhere, Olympia, somewhere down there. They were all over that. She was younger, but she was also white, and the police were heavily involved. There was searches. There was all these types of things happening, and we, like I said, got this, oh, this happens all the time. I hadn't had too much experience with the police at that time. You just kind of think like, oh, if this happens, they're going to be there. This is what they're supposed to do. For us to have to do this investigation on our own and not have their support or help was catastrophic, because I really truly believe that if they would have been more involved, her chances of being found would have been higher. During our investigation, the mom and I would kind of do all the background work. And then my husband and his best friend would go out into the streets and talk to people. They were going to strip clubs with her photo. They were going to every motel on Pack Highway with her photo, everything they possibly could, what the police should have been doing and at some point there was some word that maybe she was in Las Vegas so we tried to you know contact Las Vegas police and again it was just one dead end after another there was Mm -hmm. not even in my opinion any compassion it was just like this happened she'll be back and it's like I, I really wish we could talk to them now and say it's been 13 years.
1: And so, how are you dealing with it today? I mean, in the present time, is, is there any activity going on in regards to still trying to find out any information or I mean, where are you at, kind of emotionally and psychologically?
0: My kids are older. They were one and three when she went missing. And now they are um, 15 and 17. To have it be that they are now hearing stories about their sister that they never met is really heartbreaking. And it definitely changed the way that I parented my daughter. Even before middle school, I was so overprotective of her, just terrified that she would get wrapped up into that lifestyle or that somebody would befriend her when I wouldn't be able to protect her. And especially because they lost their dad two years later from cancer. Mm. So then you have typical factors You have a young girl, she doesn't have a father, you know, she has a single mom, we're, you know, struggling financially, all those things that you then find out those are, that's what the pimps prey on. They prey on girls like that.
1: Well, yeah. You know, what kind of advice could you even give to parents? Because when I was growing up, it was like, I could ride my bike all over the neighborhood. The big thing was just be home by dark. Right. And we didn't have cell phones Right. You know, so I couldn't just call up if there was an emergency, but the, right. the climate, the danger was was so minimal compared to what it is now. And then you've got right. the Internet, you've got TikTok, and all these, yeah. different, you know, platforms where the traffickers and pimps mm-hmm. reach out, disguise themselves as, mm-hmm. as teenagers to, to yeah. other teenagers. What advice would you give to parents?
0: My daughter just started high school and I definitely learned that I was very overbearing because like I said, I was scared and that wasn't the way to go. So being, you know, extremely overprotective and not kind of giving your child that space, I think just causes them to rebel and would actually push them, you know, more into, you know, befriending someone that is not safe or healthy. I think being open and communicating with your kids is probably the number one suggestion that I have. I talk about her story as much as I can. I try to use whatever opportunity I can to share her story. And for example, I'm in a Facebook group called the West Seattle Moms um, or something like that. And every year, you know, I would share her story like on her birthday and on the day that she disappeared. And, you know, you still have moms that are commenting like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this happened. And it's like, yes, this is real. Like, this really happens. Even just talking to your teenagers about the fact that this is real and it does happen instead of just shoving it to the side and pretending like it's taboo, you know, to even discuss it. And the other thing is there's not enough programming For our kids, especially our our black and brown kids, after school programs and things that will help empower, especially the girls, because as you mentioned, with the Internet, we have all this social media and we have all these young girls. They have this mindset or they have this picture of what being successful looks like or what being beautiful looks like. And unfortunately, the lifestyle is glamorized in our music shows and things. Even
1: advertisements.
0: It is. It's hard, but it's real. And that's the thing I I have just always stressed to people is now, you know, someone who literally had this happen to their family.
1: It's not confined to any one part of the country either. I I heard a really horrific story about something happening in a small town in Montana.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and you're thinking oh Montana's safe you know it's it's not mm-hmm. a lot of crime things like that but it only takes two or three or four people to right. go anywhere and and again you know there's teenagers in montana just like there mm-hmm. are in federal way yes so and you know the other thing i think you you kind of touched on is that i think that there's so much peer pressure mm-hmm. you know who want to belong and yes Especially as you mentioned, if you have a teenager that doesn't have a father or they have low mm-hmm. self-esteem and, mm-hmm. and they are manipulated by somebody who can groom them and see that in right. them and see them as being more vulnerable. So I think if you can build, and this is boys and girls, self-respect, right. self-esteem so that you can withstand and you, if somebody's pressuring you into sex or whatever, drugs mm-hmm. or whatever it might be, you say no. Right. You know, because it's very difficult, though, if you want to belong.
0: People have this idea that stuff like this is like, oh, they're going to come by in a white van and just kidnap your kid and then your kid's gone. It's not like that. It's like simple every day. Like you said, this grooming stuff. You have a young man and and this, you know, young lady and she thinks, oh, he's great. And in the beginning, he's whining and dining her and pampering her and everything. And then things change. That's the story that you hear. Over and over again from the the survivors and the people who have been in that life.
1: Any last thoughts about what people can do or how you feel about this?
0: You know, even if you have kids that are grown and out of the house or you don't have kids or whatever the case may be, it's a very real problem in Seattle. Seattle has been known to be one of the top hubs for it. So I think educating And getting involved, we really have to work on programming for kids so that they can feel empowered and they can feel good about themselves and have those characteristics to be able to recognize when someone is manipulating them and to be able to say no and walk away and have people that care about them and they know that they can count on. That was Sarah Childs, a stepmother to Danica Childs, who at the age of 17 went missing to sex trafficking in 2007. Check out KBCS stories at KBCS.fm or
1: look for the KBCS podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify and Stitcher.